everybody, welcome to episode number 264 of Video Game Apocalypse. I am your interim co-host, the busted myth, Matthew Allen, who's here with me in the Michael Rapara's memorial chat room. This is my destiny, this is my curse, Chris Antistam. And uh, I am the longest running unpaid intern uh, for Laser Time, uh, Daniel Trish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So no, actually, uh, today... um, if you have been listening to Laser Time lately, uh, you will know that Chris and I recently did a show about Disney myths, and I am I am somewhat of an urban myth, urban legend junkie, uh, and so naturally I had the idea, well, why don't we explore some of the top urban myths of video games? Um, here's the, the problem. That shit is hack, yo. Like, everyone's done those lists. Custer's Revenge was real. Yeah, we know. Yes. We... What I did notice is there are several trends in uh, urban legends and games and several tropes that keep popping up. So what I'd like to do today is in our top five, we are going to explore the top five uh, types of gaming urban legends. And the way this will work, because, you know, as you know, typically we, we will play a sound clip from a show uh, that is related to our top five. I will play that sound clip, and you guys will still have to guess the game that sound clip is from, so put on your thinking caps, open your ears, uh, and then we will discuss why that game is related to a particular trope. So, But real quick, uh, just to, to set us up here, um, let's talk about gaming urban myths. So let's talk about you know some of the ones you guys have probably, probably heard growing up, uh, and some of them are true. So Mario, the character Mario, was indeed named after... Um, Nintendo's U.S. office landlord, or, or mm-hmm. you know, if you if you if that's to be believed, it's its landlord, or he's the building manager, something like that. You but fucking he was a rent do here, Hito. Pay up. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one that's true is there is indeed a mass grave of Atari carts uh, in New Mexico. In fact, there was a documentary that um, Xbox of all people produced right. a few years ago. Uh, and over. I mean, the only thing that's not true. It's not like millions of ET carts. It's probably thousands uh, and mixed in there with other things. Well, it's, but it's, it's, it's a real thing. Atari carts in general. It somehow got right. labeled as all ET carts when it's just like, yeah, there's a bunch of ET carts in there, but it's pretty much everything Atari couldn't sell. It was also like accessories too. A lot of yeah. joysticks and controllers. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was basically that holiday season, what they couldn't move. I, actually, more legendary than ET being in the landfill is. The story of that game's development is is a true it's it's legendary. I mean, that game was developed in a matter of weeks, which even for back then yes. was a miracle to pull off. And, and given watching that documentary, given how much time they had to make that, it was a little miracle that it came out as decent as it did. Yeah. Uh, but I, as a former video game features writer, you get to this is the only the last fifteen years of Purple Monkey dishwashering actual facts into urban legend when people just just not fact checking using wiki alone that's how you end up with this stuff at least click one or two citations from that wiki page people be a professional that's absolutely a part of it chris i think the other part is uh the internet itself is is just a breeding ground for urban myths and legends where uh as you'll see from this list most of these came after the invention of the internet or after you know people started using it um there's only a few that were really, truly rare. And those are reserved for the top spots on our top five. But, you know, most of these myths, I'll be honest with you folks, they're complete bullshit. Uh, Things Mm -hmm. like, here's ones we all know, blowing in your cartridge on the NES, Mm -hmm. it was a placebo. It it did nothing. I mean, maybe it blew some dust off the contacts, but 
that's not really how electronics works. It 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 really it probably just made you feel better and that stuff was happening. We well, you had to do something. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> wasn't there wasn't there the it was the the idea was that the moisture from your spit was uh creating a circuit uh between the uh the contacts so it would uh, See, make a better We never contact. explained it that far I think but in the reality was the moisture of your spit would corrode the contacts eventually I mean, whatever the hell you guys do with your sex toys in your bedroom is oh, none of my it. business. Stop um, it. Don't judge me, Matt. You're probably that guy who wears that <laughs> NES cart t-shirt that says, blow me underneath it. <laughs> uh, so another another bullshit rumor, the Madden curse. The Madden curse is literally just a matter of, of statistics and math. Right. You know, if you're going to have that many entries in a title, you're going to put the top athletes in any sport. Chances are of injury are quite high. So it's not like the Madden cover caused them to have the injury. They were just bound to happen. Yeah, anyway. it's not it's not Tiger Woods golf. Like, have you seen the sport of football? The whole point is to <laughs> hurt people. <laughs> yeah, right. When I played, they always reminded us basketball is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll be one of those things that we'll consider ourselves barbaric for making people do about 50 years from now. I, I think a lot fewer than fifty, to be honest. Yeah, shout you. out um, to CTE. But isn't, isn't it isn't it a bit weird when you look at all these urban legends? Um, they all basically are, are are built on on retro games because I think once mods became a normal thing in DLC, uh, you know, there's really no there's no appetite to have these urban legends exist anymore because you can essentially create whatever you want in, in any of these games, even some of the retro games. So well, I, I do, the time is well, done. I don't know how to. I should. I should have done more research into this. Um, I know what you're talking about because usually, like, if something exists in a game, there's either an insane YouTuber out there or someone who can dig through the code and find that shit. But I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But like, sometimes you can't find that stuff in the code. Like, there's yeah. been all this Bigfoot shit around GTA. Are we, were you, were you going to talk about that? I didn't see it in the notes. Uh. Yes, but it's okay. They won't know how it, you know, how we're going to talk about it. But yeah, but it, it you might would, come. You it would assume, come. like back when that game came out, you could have dumped the code and read through it line by line, or Control F for Bigfoot or Sasquatch, yeah. uh, <laughs> and and somebody should have found something. I would argue, Daniel, that they haven't gone away because of of the internet. It's just the what people do with myths has changed a bit. So I think a perfect example, a modern example of this would be Five Nights at Freddy's. Mm. Um, Five Nights at Freddy's has become a phenomenon because the fans themselves have been filling in the blanks of the story that really uh, Scott Cawthon has only just been laying down really subtle hints and and the fans have have really come up with most of that backstory in fiction and so oh right how it how it ties into an actual murder at a Chuck E Cheese right i mean that that is a real historical case that they're saying hey it's probably inspired by this so if anything yeah the internet has made it so that people are a little bit smarter about these things um and they they speculate about different things. Um, one other thing that will continue to pop up on this list that you guys will notice, a lot of things that originally start as myths, mm-hmm. because of the nature of game devs and you know what they like to do and, and they like to be on the prank, a lot of the time stuff will start as a myth and eventually ah, end up yes. becoming a real deal in a game. Um, pan out. I think the most famous example I have of this is the Diablo cow level. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. That's something that Blizzard, you know, denied. No, it doesn't exist, doesn't exist. And then eventually did uh, become an Easter egg. You would always see it at like BlizzCon. Every time you go to a BlizzCon, you see someone dressed up as a cow. You're like, what the hell? And then it's it's tied to that cow level. But eventually, yeah, they did drop it in here. And several of the of the games we're going to discuss, uh, the developers eventually did get in on the joke because it's kind of fun and kind of cool. It's awesome. Fighting games have done that a lot. Right. So mm-hmm. 
That being said, we're here to talk about myths. Uh, but before we do, let's take a quick break. Let's get scratching. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 302010. Here's a clip from 1988. Uh, I cannot believe this is number one at the box office this week. The seventh edition of this franchise. This is the one, the one you've been dying for. You people? What do you mean, Jasons? Voorhees? <laughs> <laughs> Friday the 13th Part 7. And it was the first movie I ever saw full frontal female nudity. And I'm like, this is the high point. Did Everyone this win all the Oscars? their first. It's fine. Right? Yeah. You remember the first movie you saw a penis in? Don't say the piano. No. But... It might be, honestly. Oh, it's for Diana. No, you guys, I think mine was Schindler's List. Oh, I'm God. not even going to lie. <laughs> Oh, jeez, you're right. I would have accepted Wild Things, but you went with Schindler's List. So that's what girls get. (laughs) (laughs) Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LazerTimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. And we're back with the what, Chris? Uh, Gaming, urban, legends, myths. What? Megends. Lifts. Shit Gaming that lifts. 12-year-olds talk about on uh, on playgrounds. Creepypasta. I had a long, long conversation just yesterday with my friend's son about Sonic.exe. And, oh, yes. and it was weird. He wanted to know more about it. I'm like, dude, but you, you, this is all bullshit. And you're talking about it like you know it's bullshit. But you're asking me as if I know about it. I'm like, no, I don't know what Reddit made up about Sonic. I, That's I, a great <laughs> one. Do you, do you, did he... Fill you in like that. That did yeah. not make the list, and that's worth talking about. Yeah, totally. Is, is it is it Sonic.exe a lost Sonic game that'll kill you if you play it? Yeah, start out <laughs> as a creepy pasta. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it yeah. started out on 4chan actually first, and then eventually it made it into creepy pasta canon. I forgot I, they're there different. Was, I did consider one of my tropes. Um, so a little bit of a spoiler was putting like haunted games on this list, um, but. Everything there was so creepypasta. They were these really complex myths that were just really tough to keep track of. I was like, nah. Did you, did you go yeah. through Ben Drowning? What? Yes. Yeah, Ben Drowning definitely came up. Yeah. Ben, ben Drowning, which is the Majora's, mm, Mask. Majora's Mask copy. Yeah, yep. yeah. So that that came up. That, oh, is that the Haunted That's probably Major- the creepy. That story is one of the best stories, haunted stories on the internet, period. With, with, and that somebody bothered to like make those sounds. They made the entire video showing glitches in the game and everything. It's, yeah, and it it's is really very fun. creepy. Yeah, it's it's really really good. Wasn't there a, wasn't there quite a bit of uh, of urban legends that got kicked up uh, about PT uh, after it had come out? No, I mean there was a way to finish PT, but there was also, if I'm not mistaken, like open ended dead ends in the game. Hmm. And so there was there was reason to speculate that there was all these different things you could do because of weird things you interpreted as clues, but pretty much just as the result of being an unfinished and ambiguous demo. Yeah, yeah. And and the fact it, it is, that is the perfect fodder for an urban myth because they yanked it from the storefront. So now very few people will actually get to play it. And that's exactly how myths occur. Um, it's, hey, if it's something I've heard about, but I've never actually gotten a chance to see myself, all of a sudden, legends start to grow because everything is word of mouth at that point. Mm-hmm. But that is all the stuff that's not on our list. Let's talk about the stuff that is on our list, starting with... 
Number five. Hello? So what game was that, gentlemen? Anyone recognize it? Luigi's Mansion. Oh, mamma mia. <laughs> eh? <laughs> yes, you are absolutely right. That was the original Luigi's Mansion. And I am gay this... for my brother. Oh, Sorry, yes. You, which brother legend. you mean? Mario. <laughs> Mario? <laughs> or, you know, so... Uh, yes, the reason this is on the list is this ties with the common trope uh, in games of the main character is actually dead in the game. So uh, mm. in this particular legend, um, there is a scene in the original Luigi's Mansion for GameCube where uh, Luigi is, I think he's in an attic, and he goes to take a call. And just then uh, the lightning strikes in the house because you are in this creepy haunted house, and it briefly illuminates his shadow on the wall. And his shadow seems to be, appears to be floating in the air with what looks to be a noose around his neck. So the theory goes that this game actually takes place after Luigi commits suicide. <laughs> and it's, it's all in his head. And then some people have even added layers to the legend saying Luigi's Mansion is chronologically the last game in any Mario series. And the ghosts he's fighting include like... Either it's the ghost of Bowser, which is King Boo, or Bowser himself was always controlled by King Boo. And, the, and I mean, the way they get here is insane. It's that, oh, there's this fortune teller that talks about all the trouble Mario used to cause. And look, I've, se I, I've seen the clips. I don't know if you guys have seen the clips. Um, but really, what you can tell, if you know anything about games, it's just a graphical glitch. Basically, his shadow is supposed to be attached to the ground. It is floating a little bit off the ground. The other stuff that looks like a noose, it's because his like head is is over where a, where like a beam in the attic is. But um, this, is, this is eerily similar to that Wizard of Oz urban legend of the mm. uh, the dwarf allegedly hanging itself in the background. Uh, that would be a Munchkin, sir. Uh, my bad, yeah, my no, bad. <laughs> uh, do not send me any letters. It's definitely a Munchkin. I saw. I'm yeah. sorry for my political incorrectness. That's well, yeah. Munchkin is so much more politically correct, but no. Uh, so, so all in all, um, Luigi, he's alive and well. Whew, mamma mia! Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Thank I you, knew, I know a few things about what causes a person to commit suicide, other than self-reflection, of which Luigi has none. Uh, <laughs> because clearly, look at him. He's never he's never considered his life. <laughs> well, actually, what, one of the other things that fed into this myth is one of the cut. Uh, scenes, the game over screen from the game had this completely off model Luigi that looked super weird and looked kind of like a zombie. I was going to say that. Yeah. I, he uh, was sitting outside holding a daisy like a dead person would do and was sort of like crying. I, I don't know. That looks like one of those things though that someone came up with after the myth started though. Yeah, it was one of those things that it really propagated through the creepypasta uh, folks mm -hmm. because it, it uh, I think they added a lot of, a lot of lore to it. Uh, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those, um, it, it's one of those urban legends that I think it continues to have at lore added to it <laughs> as time <laughs> goes on. Because uh, if you 
do do any research on it, you'll see at least uh, six or seven different storyline threads about something about there being a, a beta of this game that uh, Nintendo had had pulled, and the beta had a 24-hour time limit, uh, and if you didn't finish it in 24 hours, then Luigi would be dead forever. Uh, all that kind <laughs> of shit. It, it really makes I, no sense. Really sounds like typical Nintendo stuff. <laughs> I just love the idea of like alternate model Luigi. He would probably sound something like this. <laughs> like evil Luigi laugh. The, the I don't most know. unbelievable um, thing about that is a Nintendo demo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that that is that is a perfect example of this of this trope. There's a couple others. Daniel, you were telling me about one earlier. I um, mean, actually, there's an entire website dedicated to it. So in uh, Final Fantasy VIII, yeah, uh, fan theories are that the entire second half of the game is um, Squall, the lead, lead character's life, flashing before his eyes. And actually, if you want to learn more about it, there's a site. It's called squallsdead.com <laughs> uh, that summarizes it perfectly. Um, and the setup is at the end of disc one of the game, this is back when we had to put games on multiple discs, um, Squall is fighting uh, Edia or Adea, I forget how you pronounce it. Um, and in the middle of the fight, she conjures up this huge ice shard and chucks it at Squall and it completely imp impales him and he seems to die. Then when you start disc two, Squall wakes up and looks down and there's not a scratch on him and he's like, what happened? I thought I thought I got impaled by this ice. And then the game doesn't mention it the whole rest of the fucking game. It just like completely ignores it. And the game all of a sudden gets really weird and you start to see these weird dreamlike things. Moogles start appearing. Um, Daniel, do you know more about this one? I have zero clue. I've never even played through a single Final Fantasy game. But when, um, whenever I was talking to uh, to a friend of mine who's a huge Final Fantasy fan, I had asked about uh, about Squall because it's something that I have heard about probably for you know last few decades. And uh, immediately he was like, "Oh yeah, dude, that's totally true. It, it, it's absolutely true." And he's going into like a laundry list of lore and theories and apparently it's something that's very uh that's it's almost as the i'm, I'm i don't know if the if eris is dead is on the uh is on the list um but uh no that's a great example of though the opposite of this where people mm -hmm. say actually she's secretly alive and they have all kinds of explanations why she's actually not dead yeah she's in 40 other games after that <laughs> yeah that could be in <laughs> it's only a matter of time before she becomes a smash character <laughs> yeah yeah and um, yeah, the the last example of this. Um, let's see if you guys can guess what game this is from. It's Majora, right? That is Majora's Mask, and this is the scene where. Link gets transformed into a Deku, Deku child, um, and gets laughed at by that was that la little last laugh was Skull Kid. Oh yeah, that oh yeah, I just totally forgot about this. This brings back a lot of memories. I remember going back and forth. This is an old one. This is something that mm. I remember talking to my friends about before the internet was really even a thing. Yeah, I think the game was what ninety eight, something like that. But um, Majora's Mask was weird. It was just, in terms of, even as Zelda games go, it was weird, and it had a lot of weird stuff going on. And so the theory is that it's actually um, 
Link is in limbo. The so there's two theories mm. actually. One is that in the game uh, Navi or Navi, uh, who we all know, who sounds like this. Hey, listen. Uh, so she has right. died at the beginning of the game, and the entire game is really supposed to be an allegory for Leaf for Link going through the stages of grief. Uh, the other theory is that Link himself dies at the beginning, and that's why that in that intro sequence he wakes up as this Deku kid, uh, Deku kid. He's he's actually dead, and then he himself is living through his stages of grief. And of course, the final stage of grief is acceptance, and so it's him dying and ultimately coming to terms with his death. Good lord, I love all this, and I want to encourage the internet to never stop these theories. But that's a <laughs> lot to press on a quick asset flip. Uh, that is Majora's Mask. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that game, it was such a quick turnaround from Ocarina of Time. Everyone who kind of followed it knew, yeah, they were. it was an asset flip. It was, hey, let's reuse this stuff from Ocarina. And as such, the game was assembled in this really weird way that I think lent itself to theories of, well, why is this Zelda game built so differently than every Zelda game I've ever played? I think you know, it's the, the most remarkable asset flip of all time, I should say. Just because mm, mm-hmm. it's such a novel approach and a, a way to like reuse a bunch of crap and make something that is wholly different than Ocarina. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, it's it's a great game. It it tries new things that Zelda's you know haven't been trying, haven't ever tried, mm-hmm. and, it, and it had this weird structure that was tied with the whole cycle of the moon is crashing down to Earth, and you have to you basically accomplish things and then have to reset time, which wipes out everything you've accomplished, but it still sort of progresses you through the story. Yeah, the, under, um, the underlying theme is the destruction of all humanity. Well, the world. <laughs> yes. So yeah, like, it, yeah. it's easy to see where these myths pop up. Wasn't there a theory that Skull Kid killed Epona at some point? I remember hearing that one too when I was a kid. Oh my God, who would do that? I think I do remember that theory. So, but what the... I think this is a nice link between our number five and our next entry, which is... Number four. just realized what was happening to you. Well, I thought I was getting robo-rolled. I was waiting for the (laughs) corner trigger to kick in. You just got Animal Crossing Rickrolled. All of you fuckers just got Animal Crossing Rickrolled. Which, one of the reasons I wanted to put this in here, um, so this is obviously from Animal Crossing. Um, This ties into a trope that always pops up, which is the hidden meanings of, of a game, or that a game is an allegory for something or a level or a boss is an allegory for something. And the reason I put Animal Crossing in is um, our own Brett Elston once wrote an article all about how Animal Crossing is actually about a child being abducted into a cult. Are you guys familiar with this article? No. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Brett goes on to explain that Every, everything that happens in the games and how basically you, you wake up and there's this animal above you and all of a sudden they just put you to work and you're kind of like this indentured servitude and your whole thing is you're, they're constantly bringing in new people who are nice to you to meet you and you're, you're, but you're doing these chores and tasks and trying to keep people to stay so you're kind of a cult member. Um, Brett does a way better job of explaining it than I do. But I had to put that in there mostly just to rickroll you guys. But it is is a perfect tie-in with, um, and his was obviously a joke, 
But this is something that comes up a lot with games, which is fans start to speculate on uh, hidden meanings. Um, one of the most well-known that um, I really didn't have a good clip to play from it, but uh, you guys probably know about the last level of Earthbound. Not really, no. Yeah, the um, explain the it to me. Aborted I mean, child. I mean, I know, but explain it to these other Philistines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah, no, absolutely right, Chris. I'll explain it because you're you're clearing your throat or something. Obviously, uh, so no, the last level level of Earthbound. Um, a lot of people say is actually uh, just a metaphor for abortion, and the, and and this is this is this like lighthearted sixteen bit fun game that that really got in trouble for like sampling the Beatles. And but it does end with this super weird final level where you're going basically into the alien mothership, but you kind of go inside the alien, and and it looks to be that you are aborting an alien baby. Uh, and even <laughs> you can find pictures on the internet of like the silhouettes of the alien on screen look just like a fetus silhouette. Like it's it's eerie and creepy, and the music they use is eerie and creepy, and it's such a strange ending to such sort of an upbeat game that's been around. I've been hearing that for years, but there's a, there's an allegory I think that goes with it in that I think Ness is cause it shows Ness's face uh, in the center before, right before you get to the, the final boss. And I think the theory is that the, the, the fetus that you fight at the end or the one that's in the background rather uh, is representative of Ness's life. So essentially you are going through, uh, you're using time travel to go back in time to apparently stop Ness, stop yourself because you're, you're, you're really evil or that you are, um, I think something along the lines of you've been taken over by an alien entity. There's, there's so many fan theories with Earthbound because it, it's, it's one of those games and it's, it's almost exactly the same as you saying uh, with Majora's Mask. It's a game that's, that's very abstract in a lot of ways. And I think it's always open for interpretation and people have created so many different, uh, so many different components of lore that go in with it. And it's, it's always, it's always amazing when I hear a new piece of a uh, lore that people have made up for Earthbound. It is just such a weird, it's just such a weird theory to come about of such, of such a game like that. But yeah, you're right. I, I've heard lots of theories about Earthbound in particular. Um, that's a weird theory, but maybe not as weird as this one that I've heard, which is some people have said Donkey Kong Country is actually anti-American propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> And that's based on it ties into the whole like bananas as a collect collectible and so no, it's about, it, it like, showcases how n Americans can't develop first party Nintendo games. <laughs> well, there you go. No, no that's, but no, it ties in uh, apparently with like banana republics that the U.S. is funding with. with I don't know. It is. I just I just got a chuckle out of that um, that, that that someone would come up with that theory. Another famous one that's one of the rare items on our list that's true, or we think it's true, uh, for the most part, is the ending of Super Mario 3, which reveals the entire game has been a stage play. Um, and I don't know if it, any of the developers or Miyamoto himself ever came out and explicitly confirmed it. I think I remember they did. But I mean, every when you hear that and then you look at it, everything is like hanging as a prop and it is all taking place on a stage and there's curtains and everything. I don't know if that, you know, what that means because those 2D Mario games, they jumped around so much and, you know, between one, two, and three, who knows what could actually be the case. But 
I buy that one. I heard I heard that Doki Doki Panic uh, is actually the the real version of Super Mario Brothers Two. I don't know if you guys heard about that. And oh wow, you're dropping such insane knowledge on me right now, Daniel. What you scrubs have only played Super Mario USA? Come on, get the fuck out of town. <laughs> have, have you uh, have you guys heard heard the theory of the 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 meaning behind Pokemon? Have you guys ever heard about that one? No, I was, uh, was going to say money. No, that uh, all of the Pokemon universe, or at least with with red and blue, uh, is a result of a, a massive global war, uh, and it's why uh, it's why, and it's actually a pretty interesting theory. It's why there are no real male characters in in the first Pokemon game. So, for example, mm-hmm. uh, all most of the male characters are either in the military or they're like crazy or they're old and dying. There's no just normal male characters in, in Pokemon, adult male characters, I should say. Um, so you have a bunch of kids just running around and Ash doesn't have a father. He only has a mother. And you notice that uh, all these kids are just running around with no real parental supervision. And the idea is that there was this big global war uh, and all the men uh, in, in the universe were, most of the men in the universe were wiped out and uh, and the Pokemon themselves are a, a, are a matter of a nuclear uh, nuclear mutation of existing animals. <laughs> that would make sense, yeah, because they do look like existing animals, sort of tangentially. Um, some more recent games, uh, I think one developer that that sort of takes pride in doing this and leaving its games open to interpretation is Playdead, uh, the makers of Limbo and Inside, yeah. and both of those games. Man, I guess we should have put a big fat spoiler warning on on this whole podcast, but because these are more recent, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it now. Um, so Limbo, the theories are the game is actually about a kid in Limbo, which sort of makes sense. Uh, but there are fan theories about exactly how he got there, what the game means, what the ending means. And basically the, the theory is when the game starts, you're sort of on this hill underneath this like ladder um, and then... Ultimately, the ending of the game, you circle back around and you're you're in the same spot, except there's a little girl sin, uh, standing there waiting for you. And the theory goes that this little boy fell from the treehouse with his sister and they both died and they are in limbo. And so part of his journey, he's trying to figure out how to get out of limbo. Um, and so that's why he comes full circle to find her. And now they're going to either move together out of limbo or just keep repeating this circle. Um, another theory is... Right before that happens, there's like a glass breaking sound. So uh, one theory is that he died in a car crash and and he's in limbo and he's reliving parts from his life and facing his fears so that he can move on to to heaven or the next next step. Um, So yeah, limbo has a lot of those theories, but the developers, they never really come out right and confirm anything. But yeah, and then their other game, Inside, um, there's actually sort of two hidden meanings and, and theories people have. The one is that in the game, you're this you're this boy who's trying to get to. So again, spoiler alert: at the end of the game is this giant blob-like creature that you ultimately join up with, and you just kind of roll around the last level of the game, and you're this big just blob of people and human parts. And the theory is that you actually have not been in control the whole game. It's the blob has been controlling the boy and calling him to him, uh, whereas you think the boy's trying to escape from something. But then there's another layer there. Um, tied to the game's collectibles, where if you are able to find all the collectibles, it lets you go back at the beginning of the game and enter this hidden bunker and pull a plug. And once you do, the game turns off and stops itself. And so the theory is the game is actually about 
agency and player agency and how you need to unplug so that you are no longer in control of the game. Hmm. I wish I would have played that far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's they're both short games. They're both, what, three or four? I, no, I know. I really did like Inside, and I got hung up on one puzzle and refused to look up the solution and came back to it months later, played for another four hours, got hung up on another. It's just how those games work with me. I hate feeling stupid because those games are pretty intuitive and pretty great with its puzzle element. So what is another game to that that... I think was relatively short that had a lot of story behind it after the fact um, was braid. Um, I I went all the way through that game and you find out apparently that you are, I've heard everything from uh, she's an abused ex-wife and uh, you're actually uh, the abuser and you've been chasing her the entire game and she's trying to get away from you. Um, (laughs) And of course I know, I know there's an allegory about the atomic bomb, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty obvious, but I've always heard people kind of fill in the blanks on that. I don't think the developer ever really gave a clear, uh, a clear understanding of what the, what the meaning of the uh, ending was supposed to represent. Yeah. Jonathan Blow did never, he never confirmed outright, but I think he played into the theories. Yeah. Gamers have had a myriad of ways to respond poorly to ambiguity Um, and fan theories is a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, re- I remember hearing all that too, Daniel. And yeah, basically, if you that's another game where if you get all the collectibles, it does tell you a little tiny bit more about the story so you can infer more. And apparently, yeah, what's happening, the whole game, you think you're out to rescue the princess, as it were. And then the big reveal is that, no, she's actually been running away from you the entire game. When it when it Because the big mechanic in that game is you can reverse time. And so it, it basically shows, oh, no, no, she's been running into the arms of the actual hero and you're the villain. Hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think that was pretty clear i just i love how people wanted to add more story to it and they make it so much worse than it it probably was meant to be i mean when you start talking about abusive relationships and you know oh well there's this clue over here about how uh how you know he he didn't want to be like his father uh but he couldn't help it like all these other things and it's just like oh okay (laughs) Right. I mean, sometimes sometimes the theories are so good and airtight that you have to believe eh, maybe there's something. So I heard one recently that actually uh, Michael Raparz and I will be discussing on a Patreon only spoiler cast for God of War you coming to, to you soon. Um, but we talk about a theory that fans have that God of War is an allegory for the Christian religion and the Holy Roman Empire t- overtaking Greek and Norse go- and now Norse gods. Basically, huh. it's the story of how Christianity spread throughout the world and slowly killed all the other gods. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, it, it makes it, sense. It adds up. Yeah, that's better writing than I think Sony has. <laughs> it, is, oh, it, is, it is the capitalism of religion. There yeah, shall be I mean, none. Anyone that, try, anyone that comes close will absorb that too. <laughs> so I think we've been getting really deep, really serious. It's time to get back to laser time. It's time to get a little bit of number three. Ah, the relaxing sounds of Lawn Lawn Ranch coming to uh, you. I, want, makes, I can taste the milk. <laughs> well, it makes me just want to lay back and take my pants off and <laughs> get a little nude for a little naked time. Is that like Uh-oh, really? 
<laughs> oh yeah, this is happening. No, the, with Lon Lon Ranch. Yeah, with, with Lon Lon oh, Ranch. So no. this ties into the trope in games we like to call the Naked Code. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't ever do that again. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm oh I'm sorry, Mister Pervert, who's the one who came up with this idea and sent me the, the, the sounds. So yeah, the, you guys can blame Daniel for this one. Yeah. Uh, who actually is genius? He is on brand with Laser Time. So our, our pa- like, you know what? Our, that's what our Patreon needs: a Naked Code. <laughs> that should be one of the milestones. God no! How about if I enter a code to never see you naked, Chris? I, I think I I'll, will, I'll, do that. I'll never guarantee that. That that picture of that. that there's that. I, you know what's really funny is I think I've I've. I've photoshopped dumb things for the community, and I think on my desktop right now, I have at least two pictures of Chris, at least 80 to 90% nude. <laughs> but real ones? Yeah, I've got the the one where you're uh, you're in the Terminator pose, and I think I got the other oh, one fa- that one's where your junk fantastic. is fantastic. I never looked better. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I mean, you guys should work that off, off out off yeah, my sorry. That's a little disturbing. I can do it um, both places. <laughs> No, but so so I guess we ne- we never talked about why we we played Lon Lon Ranch. So Daniel, tell me why you sent me this clip. So uh, so the the ongoing theory is that um, the initial purpose of Lon Lon Ranch was supposed to be a nudist colony, and uh, Nintendo changed <laughs> their mind at the very last minute uh, because they didn't think that uh, American audiences would would understand the cultural. Uh, aspects of uh, of nudism uh, because apparently uh-huh. it's seen differently in Japan. Uh, that's the uh, having watched a lot of their nudity. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I can say, yeah, is they pixelate the shit out of it, which would have looked fine on Nintendo sixty four. Because oh man, those textures. Uh, look, we we all saw polygonal uh, uh, Ganon in that game. I don't want to see any of those characters naked. So I, yeah. it all really started. There was a there was an ex Nintendo developer uh, that made an off off the cuff uh, mention of uh, yeah. There's there's a there's a whole uh, there's a whole uh, bunch of code that was never used uh, that shows the farmer uh, naked and uh, and everyone else on Lon Lon Ranch and 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 Link has to take off his clothes and. Uh, so uh, it's one of those things that uh, a gaming magazine uh, from from the, the 90s picked up and they decided to run with it. Uh, and they even had um, they even had a whole list of steps on their uh, on their site covering the 66 different steps you needed to take to activate the <laughs> new long long range code and miss even one it, it's ridiculously complicated <laughs> actually i sent it to i sent it to matt I, I think that it's it's for one it's a it's a tripod site it's like worse than geocities i have to pull it from the wayback machine but uh yeah, it's <laughs> angel fire all the oh, way. Baby. Absolutely, but no, it's what the reason. Whenever Matt came to me with uh, with this idea of urban legends, immediately the first thing I thought about was just the absolute the absolute explosion that happened around the nineties. <laughs> Excuse of, me? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> naked explosion. Naked explosion. No, no. The, the ex- let let Daniel eject it. <laughs> Keep going. No, but like it was this, it really seemed like in in late 80s throughout the 90s that any game that had a female protagonist in it 
was just the was just the the apple of the eye of teenage boys and there was always a way to see the nude of course the Lara Croft nude code was one of the first things that that came to mind and there's a million different ways that they've they say you can do that but there's there's a few others and and I wanted to I wanted to see if you guys had heard had heard about any of these uh if it was just something that was on my yes. playground do, do you guys remember hearing about the uh nudalities for Mortal Kombat 2 vaguely yeah no because I'm not a fucking degenerate but uh, go no, ahead I definitely did it was all I ever wanted <laughs> so uh so apparently there was uh, uh I want to say there was an adult magazine. It may have been Penthouse or one of those that, um, and we can honestly just do an episode just about Mortal Kombat 2. Uh, for whatever reason, Mortal Kombat 2 just had a ton of, of urban legends behind it. But uh, they, they essentially photoshopped pictures of, uh, I think, uh, Melina um, fucking uh, Baraka. Uh, and there was a bed in the middle of it, and it said nudality on top. And yeah, it's one of those things that's been burned into my memory. I'm just like, oh god, what did Baraka's dick look like? I think, I think technically that's called bestiality. <laughs> that's not nudality. Why? He's got he's just got a wide mouth. Oh god, all this teeth. No, he's like a he's he's like an alligator man. He's got a Jack Nicholson grin. He's fine. <laughs> just don't let him finger you. No. Um. <laughs> uh. But I understand this because I, I will still maintain Sonya Blade, the original model for her in the game, in the first game, is one of the hottest women I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, absolutely. In the movie, too, uh, Veronica Vaughn played She's played fine. Sonya Blade. But she's, oh, come like, on! When you look up those original, look at those photographs of that, the original Sonya Blade model. She is a smoking, and, and unlike any, just I remember fixating over her as a, a little kid. So we wanted the nudalities to exist. So if, if you're saying that like a, an unreferenceable magazine for a kid printed something and like one kid saw it, the whole world was going to know in two weeks and without the internet, there was no way to check. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But it's the thing that I think really, I think that Midway understood very early on that there was a lot of urban legends that existed in, in Mortal Kombat 1. And I think they played to that uh, in a lot of ways. So they never fought uh, against it. You might be getting ahead of us. No, I, I, ahead of I us. won't. I won't. I won't. Because I, I figured there was going to be quite a few on here for that. But uh, another one that I wanted to bring up, which was really the developer's fault, was uh, was Samus at the end of Metroid. I don't know. Spoilers. Uh, mm. Samus is a woman. Uh, what? What? I know. Why did they get everything? I've never played that again. But I remember very clearly that there was apparently a million different ways that you could see Samus completely nude uh, at the end, not just in her skivvies. If you did, uh, if you did a bunch of ridiculously difficult things uh, over and over again, and I think there was also another uh, another nude uh, nude reference was for uh, Mario in Mario sixty four. Um, you yeah. could see him naked, and I think it was—I think it was just somebody threw a, a game uh, game shark and uh, changed the did a palette uh, a palette switch on the on his clothes. And that's and that's the thing. Once the game genie came out, um, there were ways to swap basic colors. Yes. So you would get yeah. these alleged nude codes, but you'd basically have Mario in a beige set of overalls. All all the games we're talking about. There's no way. Core drew nipples for Laura Croft. That didn't happen. Yeah, they did not make. She's not wearing clothes. Her shirt is her texture, and underneath it is air. So <laughs> yes, 
There's not what? a real nude version. What's... It just, but we want to see that. And some guy fiddling around, fucking around with a game shark, managed to turn a wife beater flesh colored and thought he nailed <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. And, <laughs> Man, and I guess in a way he did. So many the, childhoods right now. The Mario sixty four <laughs> one is really funny because I, I used the. I went back in the Internet Archive and I found a site that actually had had it listed as, as Mario in the nude. But when, what they did was they did the color swap, but they couldn't change the color of his buttons, so it looks like he's naked with brass <laughs> nipples. It's amazing. <laughs> My God, Daniel, you are the wiki Pares of nude video well, games. Well, the, the, the other one that I wanted to bring up too, and I think that this is toward <laughs> this is toward the very tail end of of when when DLC and mods really started to to kick up. But that was The Sims, and I don't remember. I don't know if you guys remember, but when The Sims originally came out, uh, of course, you know, if your Sims get naked, they pixelate their junk or whatever. Um, but immediately there was people, oh, there's all these codes that you can do. And, and I think really what it was is people, of course, you know, figured out how to do texture swaps and just put, you know, a flat dick uh, on on the male on the male characters and, uh, you know, a flat badge <laughs> on the on the women's characters. And like, see, look, they're new. Oh, he just has a drawing of a dick for some of us that will have to. <laughs> Amazing. Suffice. There's nothing wrong with a flat dick, you guys. OK, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people like tortellini. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, I'm now like all I can think of is the spiral pasta. No. <laughs> man, we can we can just we can just ruin the moral compass of of any broadcast immediately, can't we? But it, it just it just it's just odd if you if you had to really dig into it. What destroyed this urban legend was. What do you want to call it? Deviant art into deep fake. Like there's <laughs> yeah. no need for these rumors anymore because we can, like there's someone out there who will just do it for you. Right. Well, I, I think the other thing that maybe ruined the chances of it ever actually happening was um, a couple things. The BMX Triple X came out and we realized that seeing naked video game characters wasn't all it was made out to be. And then Hot Coffee kind of ruined that for everybody because to, to your point chris you couldn't access it without a special device or anything but the press didn't know that or if they knew that they didn't seem to care and so it was just a big thing where developers were not going to sneak even if even though we're saying they never actually did it was always rumor but if they ever thought about it um they weren't going to do it now because hot coffee had a lot of repercussions for rockstar but you know what's really funny is there's so one one of the things that i think we we don't really mention, especially because we're here in the United States, is is all those British microcomputer ports. There's so nudity is something that's hidden in so many of those games, and a lot of these urban legends that we hear about, uh, you know, developers went on, you know, went into business for themselves because a lot of them were independent developers doing these ports, and they just decided to do whatever the fuck they wanted. And quite often, you would have nudity put in video games. I think that there was uh, there was some some port actually had like um like full-on nudity in lemmings in in a, in a weird pixelated way yeah what <laughs> the lemmings were like yeah, three pixels little, tall pixel dick. yeah but hot as fuck they're shaped like little dicks <laughs> with green hair i mean i mean yeah granted yeah, they like put uh, put little pixelated boobs on them and uh and it had little pixelated wieners but uh, what but one of the things that i i want to bring up though too is is that Nowadays, there's nudity in so many games uh, that 
it, it's almost it almost it's it's really amazing like i remember the first time that i heard a video game curse and i think it was shadow man for the n64 mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken uh and and i heard someone say shit for the first time it literally blew my mind and now i think of all these teenage boys that are getting just full-on fucking nudity in, in all these games i mean like the 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 last gta game for example is just like oh my god look there's simulated sex awesome you know uh, it's mm-hmm. it's they're probably complaining about a lack of <laughs> fisting and ass eating i mean i think we did we pointed that out on a previous vga which is this thing hot coffee that became this huge controversy now is just standard in a gta game so it doesn't matter it never really did yeah it's 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 odd to think that gta will never be controversial again it couldn't be more mainstream. Everyone knows what it is, and nobody is afraid of it. And I, I've been this whole time. I've been feverishly looking for. It only happened once in two thousand four, where video game characters officially got nude in an issue of Playboy. Uh, yeah, I, I think I told you before. I worked on Scarface uh, on the Scarface marketing team, and I want to say we had a a character model in that issue. Did you? Like, yeah, there was like uh, some one of the girls from Scarface, and then Blood Rain was the one. Blood Rain, and then a one. lot of shots of the lead character of Richard Garriott's Tabula Rasa, because <laughs> 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 that was clearly an attempt to promote that game, because no one knew the fuck that character was, and still don't. And man, it did not work. What bad marketing! I'm not gonna get into marketing, but that's really bad marketing. But but core, let's be honest though. Core totally took the rumors of nude Laura and they ran with that shit. I mean, that was yeah, a prominent so. part of their marketing throughout the throughout the tail end of their uh, of their run of Tomb Raider games. I think it speaks there like if you weighed in on this subjects back in 20 years ago, you should be embarrassed no matter what side you were on. The fact that you're even talking about it. It's just so uh it makes me feel like realize either either how old I am or how young this medium is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's always been, especially in its early days, it was it was an immature medium full of immature people. So you could see why or how those codes would have or could have gotten into games, but they actually didn't for the most part. But um, and, and I'll say I'll say also immature because there's a totally a place for nudity in games and we still don't really broach that subject. No, we're, we don't. You're right. No one talks about those games or. Yeah, I mean, there's well, there's. I guess there's a lot of those. What do they call them? Um, interactive novel games, or mostly yes. other porn games. Wait, wasn't yeah. there wasn't there like an indie game where you went and showered men? I mean, I better not have filmed all that sequences for nothing. That that didn't come out. <laughs> Maybe this is a real deal game. Like I remember, I remember it being all over YouTube whenever. No, it, but it, it wasn't came a out. sexual game. There was one about like showering with your dad, but it wasn't yeah. sexual. It had like a silly title. But it was, it, yeah, it wasn't. I don't think what you're thinking. It, Talk it, about something that's impossible not to sexualize. <laughs> My dad. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to bring it down here. Uh, so you're going to have to calm yourselves. Mm-hmm. And I do want to give our listeners a warning. The next thing I'm about to play might sound a little disturbing and if you are prone to like epilepsy or something i would maybe caution you maybe just skip ahead like 20 30 seconds i don't know i just don't want to get us in trouble so here goes with number two Oh, 
coming in with the sweet dulcet sounds of Daniel. Do you recognize it? Is this? Is, this isn't. I know this isn't Sonic EXE. No, this is not. Hmm. Is is it one of those? It is Lavender Town from ah. Pokemon. Uh, yes, okay. it, our friend of the show, Trav Foster, told me you better mention some Pokemon stuff, and I said I got you covered. Uh, so the Lavender Town is a great example of this trope um, of killer games or games that somehow harm people or drive you crazy to play them or are part of some secret experiment. Um, So in the Lavender Town myth, the way it goes is uh, Pokemon, I want to say it was red and blue. It was first released in Japan and it correlated with the huge spike in suicides and illness in children. And apparently the music, the score was basically causing the children to go insane and kill themselves because of the piercing tones. And you heard it there, like the warbly stuff, like it makes me uncomfortable. It kind of like is fingernails over a chalkboard. It is this very nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, it is. It is a creepy sounding song. And so the much like the, um, the Haunted Mansion myth that we spoke about on the Laser Time Disney episode, Chris, is that the rumor is they then for the English version had to completely change the song so that the kids wouldn't do that here, which all of this has got to be complete bullshit. Like maybe they did change the song because someone was listening to it and was like, that is crazy. You got to change that. But I, it was not tied to all of these illnesses <laughs> and people going crazy. I mean, but remember that this is at a time when Pokemon had that key cachet swirling around them. It was an epilepsy machine at some point or another. Yeah. No, that's and, true. And, I mean, and, and part why of it not is, again? Part of it is the whole moral panic thing that we talked about uh, on previous episodes. It tends to tie with really popular stuff and stuff parents maybe go, hey, should my kid be playing this thing? And so naturally those myths tend to spring up around those games to give parents an excuse to tell their kid, no, no, you can't play this. I heard this terrible thing about this thing. Yes, or my my preacher wanted us to start going to sermons again, so used a proper noun I was familiar with uh, on the marquee. There you go. So so Lavender Town, maybe a lesser known example of this phenomenon. I'm going to play you something that is one of the, I think, the best gaming urban myths out there. Uh, There's a reason it's in number two, but many people won't be familiar with the sounds because it was a thing that never existed. But let's see if you guys can guess what this would be. I'm going to say it's Polybius. Wow, that is very good. You heard the little ghost-like tone, huh? Yeah. <laughs> is this the game that kills? This is the mind control one. A, a little bit of both, gentlemen, a little bit of both. So um, Polybius is a game that apparently, allegedly, came out in um, 1981 and it was only released in a specific Portland suburb. Um, and the the legend has it that playing the game would cause people to, yeah, go crazy or, uh, you know, kill themselves. There's all kinds of, of, of myths tied to it. And basically, it was supposed to be this game that actually was a government experiment for subliminal messages or for mind control. And that the game itself, the cabinet, would be visited by men in black to collect data for these government experiments about mind control and then and, and to go back and, and you know, the game kept harming kids. Um, so there's a couple possible origins or explanations for this myth. Uh, one, and even this sounds like a bullshit thing that came up later that didn't actually happen, but someone said happened. So two players in Portland fell ill on the same day in 1981. 
One collapsed with a migraine after playing Tempest, and another had stomach pain after playing Asteroids for 28 hours on a filmed attempt to break a world record. So maybe it was like Billy Mitchell playing Asteroids, fell ill, and that's why he is the way he is. I don't know. Um, and then it says the FBI came into the arcades 10 days later to investigate all of this thing, and it it might have been related, but they were investigating the owners for using the machines for gambling. And so the FBI came in and all of that kind of tied into, oh, yeah, it's the men in black. You know, it's the feds, uh, the G-men. They came to, to to check on this machine. And that was maybe where it came from. Uh, probably the more realistic explanation is uh, someone did some research and looked up and it was just an Internet hoax. Uh, mm-hmm. started by the owner of a site. I won't even mention the site because I don't want to drive traffic to it. And it was basically a cheap attempt to drive traffic to his website. He just made up this story in 2002 about a game that never existed. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's it's one of those things where um, there's that that mystery of, of the government doing testing on people, which has been you know shown in the past that the government has tested things on people, you know, radiation and psychedelic drugs and, and that sort you of thing. You never played America's Army? Game fucking rules and your tax dollars <laughs> paid for it. <laughs> I totally forgot about that actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, and then and it's and it's one of those it's actually one of my favorite urban legends because uh, for one, it was it was done in such a way that it's believable. Um you know, it, it's one of those things where the government has tested things on people in the past. Not trying to get crazy conspiracy theory, but it, that's been proven. Uh, and there was, you know, a lack of information. The Tuskegee back DLC. The Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But but the thing that that's really crazy about Polybius is uh, is that it, it's one of those. It, 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 you get you have to say that it was it was also inspired by like the Last Starfighter. Um, oh, do you mean yeah. you mean this uh, this game? Reading Starfighter. <laughs> you have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. Get ready. Prepare for blast off. So yes, that is a clip from uh, The Last Starfighter, which was a movie in which uh, boy Alex um, was so good at an arcade game, and the arcade game was actually just a recruiting device that Centauri, an alien from the Galactic Armada, uh, had set up to recruit new starfighters to fight against... I'm sorry, I might have it reversed. The bad guys were the Galactic Armada, weren't they? It was Zerg mm-hmm. was the bad guy. So it was this entire movie about how a video game was used to recruit the best and the brightest. And actually, that same plot was pretty much lip- ripped off years later for Ernest Klein, uh, Ready Player One's Ernest Klein's second novel, uh, Armada. Did you guys get a chance to read that yeah. one? No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I won't spoil that. It's, it's, fair, it's, it's a little bit recent. But basically, if you've seen The Last Fighter, Starfighter... You mostly know what happens in Armada, but Armada itself. See, I, to it's, give him... it's, sent, it's sent up fantastically in an episode of the Short Leg Clerks animated series. Yeah, um, and 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 also I guess an episode of South Park where Kenny must become the Keanu Reeves via PSP. I think in a Terry Shivo episode, if I can, if anybody out there oh, understands wow. that reference. Oh wow! Um, and I never because I never get tired of saying it. Like I saw the last Starfighter in the theater when I was like three, and I thought it was a sequel to Star Wars. For so for a couple of years, I thought this was Star Wars canon. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Because I, I thought anything set in space was Star Wars. Last Starfighter does not hold up well. It does. You don't. Oh, you, come you, don't on. you don't say. Uh, it. Don't ruin that for me. No, I've I've seen it. It's fine. Uh, the, the other. The, it's it's fun. Did, did you uh, did you happen to have notes on Kill Switch? Uh, like. 
did, but I wanted real quick about Lost uh, about um, Polybius just say um, one of the reasons I think it is it has sustained itself as a myth. Uh, it has been featured like in so much pop culture. Uh, so in Armada itself, Ernest Klein does have this whole theory about Polybius and that it actually was a government recruiting tool. Um, it's been featured in an episode of The Simpsons where Bart's in an arcade and it's kind of to the right of this machine he's looking at. Um, and then in 2017, Jeff Minter, who's kind of known to develop classic games, um, created a game called Polybius that released on, on PS4 uh, and is it's meant to be his interpretation of what the actual game would have been like and then was inspired by a bunch of other games at the time like Space Harrier, Afterburner, this kind of thing. So, And and he wasn't the first person to do this. That clip I, I pulled no. from actually was was years ago. So since that, that myth started in 2002, people have been creating versions of Polybius saying, oh yeah, this is it. This is the game that yeah, it's, drives it's, you crazy. Since it's a hoax and like no one really wants to like come up and say they are responsible for it, it's ended up in the weird public domain where people could just make a game entitle it with something with some minor cachet yeah yeah i mean so sorry daniel but yes kill switch i did make a brief note uh, apparently kill switch had a was a game that had a mode where you could play as an invisible demon character and if you beat the game the game files would just delete themselves yeah yeah <laughs> which is i mean actually i think that rumor comes up every few years about games that someone's going to do that or a game that only gives you one life, and if you die, you never get to play the game again. Like every once in a while, a developer will threaten that, and then realize that's a terrible business model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the The thing with Kill Switch too is they people the lore that people built around it. I think they even built like a fake Russian company uh, that had developed it and, and sent it to the United States. And uh, people have made websites for this Russian company. I want to say it's like Karina or something yeah. like that. And and. The the lore that's around this game is 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 amazing to me because it's it's one of those things where it's not an old urban legend. I think I think the whole kill switch thing is pretty recent, actually. Mm, maybe I mean Polybius is like I said, two thousand two, which I hate to tell you, that's old now, dude. That's that that uh, urban myth can drive. Mm. <laughs> but um. It's it's how Kill Switch Engage had to like modify their name. It's been around that long. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a couple. It's weird, you know. We with Kill Switch, we talk about it's usually something demonic involved. Even uh, the game Berserk has a myth that some 19 year old died of a heart attack after posting a score of sixteen thousand six hundred and sixty in the arcade. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. the mark of the beast. Lame. Uh, yeah. Well, if this is Laser Time um, Canon. We have to give that that number some other meaning. If, if 420 is the sex number, 69 is the weed number, someone come up with what 666 is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's the Jesus number. But all of these are fairly recent. Um, but there is, uh, I think, for number one, I saved up probably the most well-known gaming urban, urban myth of, gaming urban myth of all time. Uh, so let's cover that with... No illusion is safe when bathed in the pure light of the moon. Now is the time to test your instincts. There you go. Show you can, Hadouken. Show you can, Hadouken. Show you can, show you can, show you can. Tatakai no naga. Show you can. Show you can. Show you can. Hadouken. Show you can. Show you can. Show you can. Okay. Fool. Concentrate not on Ken, but on your own. Watch and learn! Oh. 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 Oh.
it's Street Fighter, obviously. So so that is a spoof video, which I will um I will definitely give credits in, in the show notes to the person who created that. Um so that is sort of Shenglong, Daniel. Thank you for recognizing it. So that is uh and Chris, you might know how to pronounce this as you worked at Capcom, that's Gauken. Sure. I I'm signing off on it. <laughs> Whatever yeah, you said. Hey, let's run with it. He was a Street Fighter Four character that was inspired by Shang Long, and he is Ryu and Ken's master. Um, and yes, yeah, so so the number one myth type of which Shang Long is the perfect example is the secret characters in a game. And mm-hmm. um, typically, these secret characters—they're not just like hidden; they are almost impossible to get. So Shang Long, the rumor of Shang Long, um, is back in 1992. And actually, uh, the person responsible for this or people responsible are responsible for a lot of these myths. So uh, in 92, Electronic Gaming Monthly published an April Fool's joke about a secret character whose name had been included in Street Fighter through a mistranslation. So in the joke, they had a character called Shang Long. Um, it was represented and he, and he basically had like the moveset just like Ken and Ryu and threw the fireballs and all that. And I think they even they even kind of drew up what he looked like. Um, but he was never real and it, and it drove people insane trying to unlock him because apparently like the, the way you got him was you had to play a perfect game all the way through this thing. And then, you know, a bunch of hoops you had to jump through that it was all bullshit. Um, but then, so, so basically where this, this myth came about is Ryu had a quote that said, you must defeat Shang Long to stand a chance. So everyone, I remember playing at that time saying, who the hell's Shang Long? Um, and and people th- said, oh, that must be the like Ryu's master or who taught him or maybe something. It was actually meant to say, you must defeat my Shoryuken to stand a chance. But yeah. they just mistranslated it and it came out as Shang Long. And now we have this character. Oh, yeah. That I, I just I remember the uh I remember the um the Shenlong aspect on, on Street Fighter 2, but I don't think I, I think I was too young to think that that was a character. Uh, or just I didn't care at the time, but it wasn't working that hard trying to figure it out. Well, it's it it was the e- EGM, by the way, one of the I, I don't know I think the most widely published video game magazine in the United States put that out. And by the time <laughs> by the time they they didn't publish a retraction because there's an April Fool's thing like right underneath the article. Yeah. But yes. essentially that that joke was probably written in January and sent to the presses in February. And by the time they heard the feedback. And then printed a, something to say it was an April Fool's joke. People were hanging for two months. There's no internet. No, yeah. like I can't figure it out. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where's Shed Log? God, why did you guys print this? Like, there's no Twitter even to contact the author. So, like, people just had to sit sit there and try for I would say two or three months before EGM mm-hmm. could respond. Yeah, you're right. And Chris, that probably came out and hit shelves in March. And so people wouldn't have immediately thought April Fool's just because the way they did print mags back then. Because it's awful. And and then then you have to like imagine being a kid. And I know you know what I'm talking about. You're like, I tried everything to get Shin Long. It just didn't happen. It didn't work. And there's someone in your friend group. I did it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some asshole would always do it. There's going to be, yeah, there's a 10% chance you knew that asshole said he did it that led you to believe this is a real thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah, and there were some bugs, too, in Street Fighter that kind of made you believe. So every once in a while, Ken and Ryu would throw a red fireball that eventually, I think, in future versions of the game, they made, made that a in. thing. Like, yep. it occasionally would, would come out, or, or even, it might even, eventually, it had, like, a different shape and different attack. But, um, yeah, so that was, like, a bug, and you're like, oh, maybe there is there is hidden stuff to this game. 
that we haven't figured out because I think a big thing to remember is Street Fighter was the most important okay, popular game. Here it is. I'm looking on the wiki. It was revealed in the December issue of EGM that it was a <laughs> oh, joke. Man. And a- after after international magazines just grabbed it and like started posting it because they they fell for the joke too. Yeah. So this spread around the world, and like yeah. the official source who made it, who made the hoax, didn't announce it was a hoax until the December issue, meaning it was yep. written in August. I mean, EGM did it again later on. They they had a myth that they sort of became known for this, where Sonic and Tails were apparently unlockable characters in Smash Bros. Melee. Mm-hmm. Again, never happened, but that's one of those things we talk about where eventually the devs would work and and you do see Sonic appearing in Nintendo games now. So this, I mean, but at almost, the time it was it, almost in every one, in every yeah. smash. I think Sonic will be in every smash from here on out, unless there's a huge falling out with Sega. So sort of a, a related thing with secret characters and a series that has always been tied to street fighter. That is, it's almost ridiculous how many of these they have, but the mortal Kombat series had something very there similar where in Mortal Kombat 1, there was a hidden character called Reptile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Reptile, but I think it was only in like the third version of the arcade game. He wasn't like from the start. Um, but he was Reptile in the home would, version. Right. He was definitely in the home version. And there was some stuff even with certain versions where he, he could have palette swaps. But he would appear throughout the game and give you hints on how to unlock him. And you could unlock him. But because he was there, and so that was a great example of like, hey, Street Fighter doesn't really have Shang Long. But Mortal Kombat does have this character. Um, there, during the bit, the game's debug mode, there was um, some some stuff that would appear during the diagnostics in the arcade mode. It would list things like uh, the number of times Shang Tsung has been de- de- defeated, um, people, the times they discovered a reptile, and then in the bottom of that list, there was a thing that just said Ermax, E R M A C S, and that was just shorthand for error macros. But people, because it appeared next to the other hidden character, they said, oh, Ermax must be a hidden character. And so that was one of those that became a myth. And someone even comped up a picture of what Ermax looked like. Eventually, yeah, a red reptile. Er- yeah, he was he was just a palette swap ninja, uh, which, by the way, a lot of these secret Mortal Kombat characters that allegedly existed, they all were just palette swaps of the Sub-Zero and Scorpion models. Yeah, and, and like just, just as, as a... <sighs> If to talk sense into my younger self who bought it on the Shang Long myth, no game maker is going to spend a lot of time developing something that very few people will see will see or find. So they're not gonna like design a new character from scratch that one percent of people playing will ever see. It's why it's a good reason why there was never a Shen Long, but also when Mortal Kombat eventually did it, it was very palette swap. They didn't flesh him out until like um whatchamacallit, Mortal Kombat 2. Well, the, and then, and since then they've had like twenty. So he, listen to this list: you have Noob Cybot, which is yep. uh, Tobias and Boone, the creators of the game's last names backwards. You have Smoke Reptile, we mentioned Airmac, Jade Hornbuckle, Torch slash Blaze, Chameleon, Chameleon with a K, Aqua, and Scarlet are all and palette rain. swap names. Don't forget Rain. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was I was just checking out my list of stripper <laughs> names and I left Rain off of it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Airmac. <laughs> <laughs> Pour some sugar on me. Chameleon with a I, K. I'm fascinated though uh, of just how how smart Midway was because they they really played into it, it, it with all their future releases. I mean, you saw Kano 
and Sonya in the background uh, of Mortal Kombat 2. And you thought for sure yeah. they have to be able to be unlocked. And and there was everyone was debating yeah. ways no, they, to do it. They were it. very smart. and But that's what part of the urban myth was is some were unlockable and then others were bullshit. And you never really knew because the real ones were there. And, and so, of course. Um, so, Chris, you brought it up earlier. Just another secret character thing. The Yeti in GTA, which in GTA San Andreas was this myth. And there was a whole bunch of people that were straight up like X-Files style trying to find the Yeti. Or, I'm sorry, Bigfoot. Was it Bigfoot or? It was a Sasquatch. It was Sasquatch. Sorry. Yeah. In, in <laughs> San Andreas. It matter. <laughs> it was, was like, supposed to be Bigfoot. Minute. Right. And, and so, but then eventually that's one of those great examples of Rockstar ran with that and let people run with it and then did put, well, they sort of put Sasquatch in GTA 5. It's not, mm-hmm. it wasn't the real Sasquatch though, right? It's, it's actually a dude in a suit. Yeah, just like the yeah. real Bigfoot. <laughs> what? Yeah, look it Again. up. It's, it's one of the greatest urban legends of all times. And as best I can figure out from my research, that is a costume modified from a Lost in Space episode, oh, yeah. one by John Chambers, who John Goodman played in the movie Argo, uh, and the guy who developed Spock's ears and the Planet of the Apes mask. Trying out new makeup and intentionally fooling the world. I we are. I am so sorry again, folks. We are shattering childhoods with this one. Um, yeah, no Bigfoot. Sorry. <laughs> the last one is I like this because it actually got disproven later when they did a re-release of a game. So are you guys familiar with the L is real two four zero one urban myth? That would be Luigi in six, uh, Mario sixty four. Damn, he's good. You're absolutely <laughs> right. So there was a statue in that game in the middle of a fountain that on the placard, it looked like it read L is real 2401. Now, I've seen that placard. And if you guys remember textures on the N64, who the fuck could tell that it read out L is real 2401? Uh, did, did the N64 really have textures? I just kind of thought it was just a... Uh... Just just some shapes, just cobbled together. I don't necessarily knew that you would call them textures. I mean, there's a lot of mental gymnastics that comes along. You can Google this really easy. It, it, it <laughs> you, you have to really flex your brain to come up with that. Yeah. Yeah, and so they they said, oh, well, that must mean Luigi's in the game. And so they were they were trying to figure out what the two four zero was. So L stood for Luigi. They were like, what does two four zero one stand for? That must be code for something. They tried to tie it with, oh, it's a, it's the number of stars that you must be able to collect, or number of secret coins. And if we get them all, he'll appear. Which of course he never did. I mean, in in Mario sixty four, you can you can find Yoshi. He's on top of the castle. You can't really play as him. And he does the things we know Yoshi does, which is give you a yeah. hundred one ups in a game you already finished. So yeah, right. They, hey, thanks, thanks for all that hard work. Uh, here's something you can't use anymore because you've seen everything in this game. Here you go. You're a millionaire. How's ten dollars sound? <laughs> but it's the it's the one time Nintendo actually felt followed up with uh, with fan expectations and then threw uh, threw multiple characters into uh, the Mario sixty four release on DS. Yeah, on DS, and and that's the one I was talking about on the DS. It was a little bit higher resolution. You could actually see that it clearly did not say L is real two four zero one. They did put Luigi in that version, um, I think, as well as Yoshi, Wario. maybe uh, Wario. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, because those two were included, the same rumor started that Waluigi had to be somewhere in the game. So you just can't oh, please everybody. Let it go, you freaks. <laughs> Waluigi wow. belongs playing tennis and almost nothing else. And now everyone gets really pissed off whenever you want to put DLC out that's got new characters in it, and people get all pissed off because you know, oh, why do I have to pay for this? <laughs> you, you said it, Luigi. Whew, mamma mia! That was a long one. I know, folks. Thank you for bearing with us. 
Uh, so that's it. That's our top five. Let's go out with some plugs. So I'll start with, um, don't forget, you know, you can always subscribe, rate us on iTunes, and then um, add us in your podcast app of choice. Um, if you want to follow us, it's at VG Apocalypse on Twitter or hit up uh, VigigameApocalypse.com. You can follow me personally at Maddie C. Allen. Again, all thoughts there are bad and they are my own. And as I hinted at earlier or mentioned earlier, um, Michael Raparez and I, just recently recorded a God of War spoiler cast that is for Patreon members only at the $5 level, and that will probably be up there pretty soon, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, we basically just, we loved God of War, had to get it out of our system and talk about it, so... Uh, Couldn't wait for your friend to finish it, let him I'm join in the fun. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> You know, we didn't want to wait, but, uh, so yeah, that will be up soon, but that is for $5 or more on the Patreon. Uh, Chris? Oh, uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, laser time. You can look me up on Twitter, but I probably won't say anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, laser time podcast.com is where you can find all our podcasts. Laser time. Uh, this week we celebrated our 10th anniversary, uh, not the 10th anniversary of laser time or this show, but just a, a group of people who have been podcasting together for 10 years to the it has to be to the day, at least by the time this goes live. I just, I'm still very weirded out by it. It just, it just came upon us so fast. But thank you so much for everybody who's been listening for 10 years. Laser Time, Video Game Apocalypse, 302010. 302010 this week will be a crazy amount of fun. Let me just say that George Lucas has number one movies in two decades in the show that looks 30, 20, and 10 years back to this week in pop culture history. And I'll just ruin it by saying it's Willow and Crystal Skull. Uh, mm. <laughs> and well, just the idea that Ron Howard directed a Lucasfilm movie 30 years to the day of the release of Solo uh, mm. and, and nothing in between. <laughs> hey, 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 I'm trying to make this show evergreen. Don't don't make this topical. Um, uh, my bad, my bad. And uh, Laser Time, we'd also talked about Fire Directors uh, recently. That was really fun. Um, if you like our topic-based show, Laser Time is a topic-based pop culture show. Directors who were fired in the middle of uh, projects. That does not happen that often. And every time it does, it's hella interesting. So if you want to see the most research I've ever done on Superman 2, I thought that was a really, really fun episode with the Talking Simpsons guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah, speaking of hella interesting, um, I've really been enjoying the episodes of Bonus Time, which is a Patreon-exclusive show um, where you've been recording with your with your friends uh, Sammy and Sarah about your exploits down in Florida. And so people, if people want to check that out, they can go to patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, Daniel? Um, well, I, I, of course, run the community. So if, if you haven't joined the Laser Time community, please do. Uh, we always have stuff going on over there. It's, it's its own, it's its own world. Uh, it's, it's where, uh, so many memes are now coming out of it's it's getting ridiculous but uh, i also run the uh, laser time main page and do uh quite a bit of um quite a bit of streams now i've been doing a lot of them i usually do them random i'm trying to come up with a schedule but it's really based on whenever i'm free uh this week we we streamed uh we streamed Cabbage Patch, uh, Garbage Pail Kids, rather, Cabbage Patch Kids, Garbage Pail Kids Live, <laughs> uh, as well as Shark and Saw uh, Women's Prison Massacre. That was yesterday. <laughs> Uh, oh, it, it's incredible. Um, I will say that through this weekend, uh, I'm going to be playing a bunch of trauma stuff. So uh, be sure to Ooh. like Laser Time on Facebook and uh, keep track because we will be doing streams pretty often through the next few weeks. You reminded me um, of a community thing. Uh, so the question of the week this week uh, is: Let's let's throw this one out there. 
You tell us your favorite gaming urban myths or legends or theories, uh, any of that stuff applies. And so if you want to do that, just go ahead to the official uh, Laser Time Facebook group and comment, or you can uh, go to uh, lasertimepodcast.com and comment under the show with your responses. This has been fun. Thank you guys for joining. It's been epic, even, let's say, legendary, mythical, I don't know. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Oh, not with me, not, not.